Hi, I'm Greg Kors. Welcome to this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm joined by Anna Bonetto, who is a rolfer. And of course, the first question I asked Anna was, what is rolfing? It's, um, it's a type of bodywork. It's a bodywork technique that mostly consists in manipulation of the fascia, which is uh, um, that connective tissue that uh, links and connects not only our muscles and bones, but also our organs um, together. And the sense of the manipulation of the fashion in Rufin is to um, organize it and differentiate it so that it does work uh, at the best of uh, the potential for that specific person, uh, which means it releases the tensions, but also it helps people uh, moving in a better way. The way that we move in life nowadays is like, uh, I don't know, sitting at the computer or, I don't know, unless you're really a person that moves as a profession, like a dancer, for example. Uh, but otherwise, the movement of our life are fairly stereotyped. And when the movement of our life are stereotyped, what happens is that this connective tissue, the binds of our tissue, get... Um, uh, kind of frozen or gem or in a specific shape. So mm. it loses capacity to adapt to a series of different movement. And that can be a way in, in which people get injured because the moment that we got to do a movement which is different from what we usually do in life, our body cannot adapt to it. Like, for example, I get a lot of people in my practice that go on holiday and get injured because they lift the luggage or they walk much longer than they usually walk or they carry a rucksack or whatever, which are movements that they normally do in life and their body is just <laughs> not ready for it. So the sense of roofing is uh, to try and keep this connective tissue and, um, and your body eventually as adaptable as possible so that whatever you're required to do in life is available, it can be carried out without being injured, and if there is an injury, you know, it can be uh, at least in part resolved um, by reorganizing the fascia and, um, yeah. So that that is a good point, actually, in saying how if someone is injured, so it can help from a point of view of prevention, prevention yeah. but also if you are injured, then it can help from that. It can help. Of, of course, well. this has to be evaluated case by case. There are uh, roofing itself is not a therapy. So often, when someone is injured, we don't work alone. So we work together with doctors, obviously, mm. with chiropractor, osteopaths, depending on that kind of um, the kind of injury. Uh, and certainly, roofing can. Um, well, roofing mostly help um, when someone is already injured. Is to have the best recovery possible, and but uh, also um, to have a recovery that don't bring you back to where you were mm. before, but that brings you in a better place, so mm. to speak. Mm. So, um, you know, if someone breaks a bone, of course, they're going to have to go to the doctor or have a cast put on or have whatever treatment they need, surgery or whatever. But then when that treatment is done, when the bone is healed, then we need to take care of uh, what has brought that body to break to a bone. Point. I mean, of course, it can just be a bad fall and yeah. that's it. But it can be that you broke that bone because your movement pattern already put you in a place where that specific structure was vulnerable. So what we need to find out is that can we be in a better place where that place is not vulnerable anymore and then we can carry on our life, hopefully not breaking that bone anymore. 
So the typical client that come to Rolfen is someone that has that same injury over and over mm. again. They always sprain that mm. ankle. They always get trouble with the surgery, if with that shoulder, for example, things like that. So there is a faulty movement pattern often that underlies a repetitive injury, for example. And that's what we work on. So you know what I'm going to ask next is, yeah. so what's the, how do you work on that then? Because you go to a GP and they will give you... Uh, pain yeah. relief or stuff yeah. like that or put you in a cast so that they will yeah. treat the the acute the, the yeah. acute and they will treat the symptom yeah, yeah. which is of course necessary of most course. of the time um, uh, but how do you get back or how do you even start to approach yeah how you get back to what was the the root cause yeah well that's very interesting because there's not such a thing as a protocol <laughs> or a way to go it will be it will be different from every person i have two tools one is manipulation of the fascia so i put my hands on someone's body and through what i've learned training as a rofer i understand uh, i try to understand uh, what is not organized that is best in the fascia so what is too tense what is not differentiated mm. um, and so forth and so I treat that um, uh, but then the, the, the big part of the roofing is the repatterning of faulty movement patterns so uh, I look at the way that people breathe the way that people walk the way that people sit on their computer or play or do whatever they do in their daily life and I try with them to explore what is it that doesn't work so well and how can we change that so a big part of roofing is actually movement education so it's about learning how I can move in a way that is more efficient, meaning, you know, that requires less effort, that doesn't stress joints and other structures, so in that way prevents injury, and that makes whatever you're doing pleasurable, is possible. Mm. Not always, but... <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> so some of the stuff I've done with you that I've really, really resonated with and that's really worked for me is things like the visualizations yeah and quite often you'll go to an osteo or a physio and they're working on the physical but what i yeah. notice from the way you work in terms of rolfing there's a lot of how your 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 yeah. mental approach and how various things that have happened in your life have affected your memory and how the yeah. memory and how your emotions yeah. affect the way you yeah. move so how do you approach that so, with clients, obviously very differently with each client. Yeah, so the, the, the root of that stems in... Um, so Rolfing has incorporated a, the recent research, the, meaning recent research, I mean in the last probably 50 years or so, uh, of research into uh, movement, but also some of the most recent neuroscientific research that shows that uh, two things. One, that... Um, the context where we live uh, shape us and the way that we move and by context I mean the world so the job that we do the people that we meet and things like that uh, but also our memory our emotions so our posture change for example whether you know if we wake up and we're really sad because something has happened to us or if we're really excited we will move in a different way our posture will be different so these are factors that we need to count they, uh, to count in when mm. we uh, try to repattern a movement. Mm. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to change how this person feels, but I'm going to make them notice how they change when mm. they feel in a different mm. way, for example, and see if there can be a choice there. So, you know, I can't 
choose not to be sad if someone has died or something like that, but um, I can choose to cope better with that, so mm. to speak. Um, but um, And also uh, perception, what, what neuroscience and clarified is that perception is actually an action. So uh, when when we perceive something, that corresponds to a movement in the body. So, uh, for example, I don't know how far the horizon is or the sense of the space around you, how you perceive the space around you would shape the way that you move. So in that way, perception is an action. So we use a lot of that in roofing uh, to help people repattern uh, movement patterns that uh, are not so efficient. Um, and that has normally a huge impact yeah. uh, on, on the way that people move and, um, and is normally very effective in... What was that? Do you remember when we were running the other week and you said we there was those two words? Was that percep there was perception and something else we were work we were focusing oh, yeah. on and when we were running past Alexander Palace. But I think that was a, the, the we were talking about the perception, yeah, weren't I think we? Of so. How what we think how we perceive running should be or how we how we think we should run. Ah, yes, So of quite often I'll get clients saying to me, does this look right? Am I yeah. doing the technique right? Yeah. So that's a completely different different thought process to yes. actually how am I moving forwards, where I, what what's yeah. going on around me. Yeah, it is the difference between having, you know, um, how do we put that? Uh so do we move according to an idea or do we move according to a feedback that we get from our body, for mm. example? So do we move like that because we are copying for someone? Like I'm thinking about, you know, if you look at a, uh, any movement class on YouTube, for example, and you're trying to copy what the instructor is yeah. doing, so, uh, which, which is not, not bad per se or wrong or anything, but uh, can you keep copying someone and at the same time being aware of what your body is doing and what your body do with that movement? Because... Most likely than not, your body shape and the way that your body is organized will be different from the one yeah. of the instructor. So how do you, how do you um, uh, adjust for that difference? So you could be doing the same movement, but you might have to get to that movement in a very different, different place way. or different way because your body is different. And one of the problems that we have when we teach movement is... If that is limited to copy someone else, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we get injuries because... Uh, because our bodies are all different. So for me, at the base of every movement, whether you run, you go to the gym, you dance, you do whatever, there has to be um, the most refined body awareness that you can get to because that is what prevents you from getting in trouble. Because yeah. if you know what your body needs, where it can move, what is its limit, what you can challenge and what you cannot, then you can pretty much do anything that your shape would allow mm. without getting injured. Mm. And you'll be graceful, you'll perform better, you'll run longer, you'll be less effortful, and you don't get exhausted yeah, or fatigue or in trouble. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And as, <laughs> as a coach, that's one of the difficult things because you want to be able to demonstrate and show people yeah. efficient ways of moving, yeah. but you don't want people to copy. copy yeah. And again, thinking talking about online courses there's a yeah. lot of online courses that will give yeah. you exercises to do and show you all these amazing exercises which as you say is great yeah. because you want to see how yeah. you can move your body but if you start to copy and are not aware of what is going yeah. on in your body not aware of 
your range of motion or where yeah. your comfortable yeah. range of motion is in certain yeah. places is yeah. then yeah. that's when you, the injury kicks in really yeah it? it is the famous you know I don't really buy the no pain no gain no. Uh, philosophy so when there is a pain that actually has to be taken uh, a pain that can be not something you know it doesn't have to be a, a really bad one but even you know discomfort and thing it needs to be listened to yeah. it doesn't mean that I cannot move but we need to really get into that and understand what what the body meant mm. when it felt that pain. Mm. There are certain type of pain that are uh, probably people have experienced that they are good, so to speak. Like mm. sometimes, if you go for a deep tissue massage, it can be quite painful, mm. but you get the sense that that painful is not a danger for the mm. body, it's not an alarm, it's just something mm. moving forward, so to speak. And there are certain type of pain that puts you in an alarm immediately uh, because it's just you know like. For example, pain in the knees is pain in the knees is never something good. You should never continue to move if you have pain in the knees. For example, it's quite likely that something is going wrong, and if you persist, it can get and very can wrong. Get, yeah. Um, yeah. So we need to be able to understand what your body telling us, and it doesn't mean that you have to know anatomy or know anything. You just need to be able to pay attention, essentially, mm. to what your body is doing, to what the, the signal that it gives out. I think the word pain is very interesting because, again, I think p people perceive that in different ways. So, like you say, if you've done a if you've done a long run or if if you've done some strength training or heavy yeah. exercise, then you get delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah. So your muscles will yeah. ache, and you have that really nice yeah. feeling yeah. Of, the, of the body being working. But yeah. to me, pain is when it when it actually is almost like sharp pain. Yeah. And that's how I yeah. sense the difference. Yeah. But as you say, I think a lot of people, no pain, no gain. People think, oh, my knee's hurting, my ankle's hurting. So they push through the yeah. real pain that is yeah. affecting them. And that's not the pain you should be pushing through. Whereas I can see where no pain, no gain yeah. came from. Yeah. Because it's basically saying, look, if you don't work your muscles, yeah. if you don't move, you, you're yeah. not going to get the benefits from yeah, that. Yeah, of course. But there should be different words really there should be different words and it's it's a bit it's a bit you know it's also culturally i think we're a bit driven to that you yeah know, if it's not a strain if yeah. it's not a pain if yeah. it's not an effort then it's not worthwhile mm. for me it's the opposite if yeah. it's not pleasurable it's not worthwhile not worth doing it. so why i mean life is hard enough why should i go into but I think, no pain no gain but that's i think that's the point as well is people think we, we say it's cultural but it's only cultural because we've been told yeah. that so the, if you say to people, look, it doesn't have to be as hard a work, yeah. you can see the relief on their face. <clears throat> yeah, and you said you that you see. can still get the benefits yeah. from it. So it's things like this, yeah. knowing, knowing yeah. those little nuances that you can help really get the benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. What was the other question? So I think we just said, how can it help you? So what are the, what are the key benefits then? Well, the key benefit here overall for human yeah. um, is exactly that. So, I mean, there is... Um, uh, there is a part of roofing that would deal with injuries, so, you know, with problems. Um, and the way that we uh, approach this problem, as I said before, is understanding what stays at the root of that specific problem. So why you keep injuring that ankle, why your back is always uh, in pain and things like that. Um, of course, that, uh, as I said before, that is always... Uh, 
when this sort of problem comes up in a practice that is always about also working, of course, with doctors, with osteopaths, with other people that actually, you know, fix <laughs> whatever has gone wrong. Um, uh, so but the, the, the real benefit for me of Rolfin is that it's really, um, it's really individualized. So um, every need session is really tailored to what the person needs. There's no such a thing as a protocol for treating a specific thing or mm. things like that so um and uh, is not is a very active technique from a client point of view so during a rolfing session you won't be sleeping on the couch or there's no such a thing and i'll do things as a rolfer i'll do things to the client so we do things together we move together of course i do the manipulation part but even the manipulation part is yeah. very active. So I would often, you know, put my hands in some place that are tense or that needs work and ask for movement and keep asking to the people what they feel as I'm treating. So the treatment always go together with um, uh, an attempt to increase the awareness. So I always bring the clients back to what it feels. So what I'm doing to them or with them has to be attached to them perceiving what their body is doing, what the body needs. And that is incredibly difficult. And often what I find in people, especially in people that, you know, don't move as a job and uh, they have less experience in, you know, moving and exploring their body and working with their body is that the only two things they can feel is pain or not pain. So all the nuances of, mm. of what the body can feel are kind of lost because of the stereotype uh, things that we do with our body in daily wow. life. So most of the time it takes me a lot of session to actually get a client to feel that you know, these areas feel wider or they have more space or there is less tension. I mean, that is really difficult most of the time. At the beginning, when they come for a first session, they can feel that's pain or no pain, and that's about it. So, and so for us, it's often a, a very long journey into understanding well, actually, uh, this way that you walk, this way that you move, this way that you breathe is not in your DNA. You're not meant to do that. Mm. Uh, this is just one of the options. So, what are the other options other available options. that could be better or more efficient? So, there's a journey into discovering. Uh, what the body can do with the frame that you have, obviously. I mean, each one of us has his own limits. Uh, and trying to get to the option that works the best for you in mm. that moment of your mm. life. Uh, and see if, you know, often there is a need to free the option. So the option is stuck because the fascia has gone thick or tense or restricted in some place. So that's why we also do manipulation. Uh, but most of the time it's about, you know, also, it's about, um, uh, I, had a, I had a client yesterday, and she said something really interesting. We were talking about how her breathing was restricted in a very particular way for her that involved more of her face and her throat rather than her chest, for example. And she said to me, you know, it's not a big thing. I can feel I'm restricted, but it's not a tragedy. It wasn't you know, severely impacting her life. And then she said, well, but then I think, you know, maybe that's just, it's just how I am. That's it. Mm. Well, I say, I don't think so, because we are meant, you know, breathing is surviving. So we are meant to breathe at the best that we possibly can mm. with the nose free, the mouth free, the lungs free, the chest free. Uh, so 
if that is a strict date, I don't think you're meant to be like that. I think mm. there's something in the way that we'll have mm. to find out. Uh, and for her, it was a revelation, I think, to understand that she doesn't necessarily have to live her life without right. restriction. Yeah. Yeah. There is an option to at least explore how we can release that restriction mm. a bit. So, and I find a lot of people, and this is a bit also the medical model a bit, so a lot of people think that because they can't do something, because they cannot move in a certain way, that's how they that's are. That's how they are. And they don't even start looking for um, how they can how get out of it, if there is a possibility to get out of it. So that's what we do in Rolfing. We give them a chance to discover uh, that there is, there is an option to feel better. Uh, people think that, that that limitation is who they are and that cannot be changed. Uh, we might be true <coughs> in certain cases. Of course, we can't change the shape of the bones or uh, a particular trait that is maybe genetically determined. But, um, uh, but if we don't explore the boundaries of what we can change, then, you know, our limitation would stay and we can never discover what we change. Like, I was giving the example of this client that I had yesterday who had some sort of restriction in her breathing that doesn't involve her chest very much, but mostly her face and her nose and her throat. Uh, and it's not a big deal. It doesn't really severely affect her life, but she can notice it. It's noticeable. Uh, and we were talking about that. And at some point she said... Uh, well, you know, I think maybe that's just how I am. And and then I thought, well, um, what if maybe not? Mm. In the sense that we are meant to breathe the best that we possibly can. And uh, uh, so I think it is worth exploring if there is something that can change. But of course, if you think that is who you are and mm. that cannot be changed, you'll never move on towards something that explore. feels better. You'll never explore. So... The idea is that to keep to keep the door open and before thinking that a particular shape or a particular limitation in your body is is unchangeable and is who you are is worth to um it's just worth to explore where that can go uh, and this is part of what we do in roofing and I guess it's part of what you do in cheer running as well right I was gonna say one of the points that the Typical points that people come with is say, "Oh, my shoulders are tense, but I'm not. I'm like that. That's yeah. that's the way I am." Yeah. And in a sense, that that's easier to relax the shoulders than to work on on what is going on or discover what's going on yeah. with the breath and things. But yeah. like you say, people just think, "Oh, this is this is the way I am. Yeah. This is what my posture yeah. is," and and not are not aware that they can do some things to change that. Yeah. And as you say, just explore and and yeah. And, experiment with different ways of moving because i find one of the best ways for me personally and and to work with people is just to exaggerate movement yeah so you can really way. sense yeah. what it is doing yeah. too much or too little and then that helps just get your mind get getting you to think about things yeah. i think is important yeah it is about understanding also um what stop us from exploring something i mean the body itself always try to go to what feels better like mm. in the case of the clients if she doesn't breathe properly it's like her body probably is always trying to mm. get her breath mm. a little bit better and maybe some of the restriction that we observe is actually an attempt of the body to compensate mm. for something that is not optimal um 
And it will be interesting, and that's where I will go with this client, to understand what stays behind uh, the thought of this is who I am, I cannot change. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and sometimes, you know, sometimes there are big things like big fears or um, big traumas or experiences like that in life. And sometimes it's just having coped the way that our parents breathe or our brother breathe or yeah. something like that. So, the way our parents yeah. move. Yeah, it's very interesting to keep a very open mind and, and, and also be very gently. So we don't want to push people into yeah. changing. We want to accompany them mm. in, in the change that is appropriate for them in that point of their life. And I think that that whole idea of what you were talking about in body sensing, and I like the way you said people either feel pain, in pain or out of pain, so it's very black and white. Because this is one of the, the issues I find is that is when someone's saying, I have a pain in my knee, it's how far do you go to say, well, there is actually something physically wrong that needs yeah. needs looking at. Yeah. Or yeah. it might just be because that's what you're feeling and, yeah. you, and you've associated knee pain. So that that's that's quite a difficult one to, it is a to difficult judge because it's only the client that can really it feel is. that. If, they can, if you can get them to sense yeah. that. Yeah. So, well, of course, we always need to practice safely, whether we're teaching movement or mm. doing body work or whatever. So mm. if I think there might be something wrong, I'll get them to, to get that to check, get checked and that's it. So when that's checked and I'm sure that there isn't anything that I should worry about, yeah. uh, then I very gently grow with them into exploring what that pain is like with mm. movement, with manipulation, um, yeah, and see what's... You know, what's the nuances of that? Why mm. the pain is there? What is that for? What is that alarm for? Mm. Uh, and the other interesting thing is that um, that we need to take into account is that our body would change physically, it would change its receptors uh, if you have chronic pain. So mm. that is now known that our touch receptors, so receptors, nervous system receptors, that are meant to feel touch can transform themselves into pain receptors. So they change the type of signal that they give to the body when, when in, in chronic pain, for example. So uh, part of the job that we do in Rolfing is also to try and re-pattern them through a specific type of touch of the fascia is trying to tell the body that that, that is not an appropriate signal. So uh, I'm thinking that uh, things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and those kind of disease. Ah. You know, people that just feel pain for things that shouldn't, shouldn't really be painful normally. Of course, as usual, you need to exclude that these people are having other problems. So it's always worth if if they're checked by a doctor or something. But um, once that is out of the way, it is... Um, yeah, we need to take that into account. Sometimes our body transform its receptors so a lot of pain can just be a you know a a fault in the communication system of the body so what should be felt as normal touch has become painful has become pain so yeah that i get quite a lot especially with people has chronic disease for other reasons so they do have proper pain coming from joint of other things then their skin gets painful i can't touch their skin And it takes me normally a long time to get them 
uh, reused to feel touch as touch and not as pain. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah. I suppose that ties in with um, if you're doing like a body scan, if you're doing a meditation yeah. body scan, yeah, and you're you're saying be aware, focus on the ankles perhaps, or focus on the on the knees, and be aware, but actually don't put a story to what you feel there. Yeah. So I'd sort of get now yeah. why you're not just just notice what's going on in the body, but don't make a judgment or don't put a story yeah. there. Yeah. Because if you if you know you've injured your ankle and you go, oh right, there's my right ankle. Yeah. You go, oh yeah. You, your brain tells you that yeah. you should be feeling a certain. Absolutely. Amount of pain. Yeah. And your brain would change the setting of, uh, for example, the muscular structure around that ah, ankle. Yeah, so to yeah. Pro- ah. To protect it. So as if the injury was already there. Maybe it's mm. been a long time and mm. there's nothing wrong. But I mean with that ankle anymore, but the, the muscle around it and the fascia around it is still behaving as if there was if there something was. wrong. So it's a gentle process of retraining the body yeah. to understand that actually the ankle is now safe and it doesn't need to move like that anymore. And you can only do that if you give the client, the if you encourage the client to give them the facility to, to body sense. Because yeah. as you say, if, if the client can only understand yeah. pain or no pain, yeah. it's going to be very difficult for yeah. them to be able to be aware of the nuances. Yeah. They need to feel they're in a safe place where you know yeah. nobody's going to poke yeah. at them or push that angle to do what is not ready to do yet. And then they need to be gently led down a pathway. They show them that there are other options now, that the injury is over, that the recovery is done now. There are other options for their ankle to move in a different way. And they need to find, so they can be in a safe place when you're working with them, but they also need to find their own self safe place when they're on their own. Yeah, Because otherwise they will just refer back to either movement patterns or avoid any situation. You need to repattern not only the movement in in that instant, you need to repattern the whole experience of feeling into that ankle. But that is possible. Mm. That comes from, that we know now from a lot of study that has been done on trauma treatment, for example, Uh. when you do repattern uh, a physiological response to, to trauma so that, you know, when, when you're not in a traumatic experience, your body doesn't behave like as if it's in trauma again. So you can do the same with movement. So it just it requires gentleness and, and safety and titration of intervention. So you don't want, again, you don't want to push yeah. a certain part of the body to move if it's not ready to do that. And that, again, yeah. is interesting because it ties it. It's sort of like the opposite of what a lot of people think about fitness. Yeah. So they have a pain. So they're, they're yeah. thinking I should be stretching. I should be really yeah. pushing, strengthening and stretching, yeah. which is good if it's done in the right way. Yeah. But I like the fact, like you're saying, it has to be gentle. You have to be aware of what is happening there. So yeah. stretching and strength is right. Yeah. If you are doing it yeah. with awareness. If that is perceived, if the body perceived that has a potential for another injury, as it would, for example, you know, hold even more and mm. get even tighter mm. and build up tissue, like our body lays layers of tissue, I mean physically layers mm. of tissue and layers of fat also in the part of the body which needs to be protected. Mm. So I get a lot of people that have been traumatized by several different things can be physical can be a car crash can be other things and they get fat they lay layers of fat and there is an attempt of the body to protect itself that we know um 
So it's really interesting. So that's why we need to kind of get out of this circle um, of uh, kind of traumatic experience of, for the body. And um, yeah. that's layers of fat. So what type of fat? Is it specific? It's just, it's just packing material. Packing. You can so consider it just packing going, material. Let's just pack around that to yes. protect it. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. I mean, of course, there are different, you know, different people who, with different constitution, would do different things. But mm. tendentially, uh, that's what the physiological changes in the metabolism, mm. the consequence of especially chronic or repetitive trauma, can do to the body. It doesn't mm. necessarily do for everyone, but. Uh, I observe it quite often. Talking about how we are protecting the body and often restricting the body because we think this is the way to move. And I know we've talked about this quite a lot. Um, core. Yeah. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that. <laughs> yes. Because so many people have different yeah. perceptions. Yeah. Or maybe the same idea of what yeah. the core is well, one of the things i know we've talked about and i'm really working with on my own practice and with clients is actually getting people to engage the core yeah yeah can actually create more issues than yeah. not issues well yeah it's interesting and it's, it has become very fashionable yeah. uh quite rightly i mean there is something true in that the the core is something which is at the core of <laughs> how we move. The problem is that we are not apples, so we don't really have a core in the sense that we don't have a structure that we can identify as our core. So core is not the TA, it's not the deep muscle of your back, it's not the trunk. That's, that's not the core. We don't have a structure that we can call core, but what we have is a set of... Um, uh, connection and coordinations that we could call core. So core is not a physical structure. It's more like, um, I don't know, it's like some sort of software that we can run our body with. So our core is actually everywhere. We have a core in our forearm. We have a core in our lower leg. We have a core in the foot. We have a core in our head. We have a core in our throat. We have a core in our trunk. So, and... Uh, so, so how do we go about that? How do we work with that? Well, um, so a hallmark of a person who engages the core is when you see them moving and whatever they do looks totally effortful, uh, very graceful, and very harmonious. Like their body is really moving all together. You don't have a sense that... Uh, they're dragging around their limbs <laughs> or they're tensing up their tummy or they're restricting their breathing. You have a sense of uh, freedom and a uh, lot of possibility. You know, you really have a sense that that person in any given moment could move in any direction mm. he needs to. Mm. It's what you see when you see, you know, those athletes that are really successful or uh, some type of dancer. That uh, and, and the interesting thing is that not only you can see it, but you can feel it in your own body. And uh, because of, we have such a thing which is called mirror neurons, so then gets activated where... We see people moving. So if you do a MRI of someone looking at a dancer, so uh, you will get 
the same neurons that the dancer is using to do the movement activate in your brain, although you're not moving at all. So you get a sense. Um, you get a sense of how people move, not only because you see them moving, but because your moving body in yourself will get activated in the same way. So you can feel breathing restriction when you see someone that don't breathe properly, and you can almost feel the pain when someone is walking with a limp or something Ooh. like that. So this is a very big part, and a big part that has been studying in also a lot of like psychiatric studies about empathies and things like that. We can really understand other people um, at a very deep level, a very embodied level, which is what we use, for example, in Rolfing, I'm sure you use it in tear running too, to understand how people move and help them move better. That's what we need to use. We need to use our embodied sense mm. of, uh, of moving. So, And that's how we can get a sense of core, and we can get a sense of where, when the core, so to speak, is not engaged. So it's when we perceive effortless, heaviness, restriction, pain, and things like that. Uh, so the way that we work with core actually would be probably very different from every person because every person will have this set of coordination not balanced in a very specific way. So we have to understand what works for that person uh, to get that core working properly. And like, for example, for some people, uh, it will work very well to do what uh, many like exercise techniques do, like working on the TA, work on the trunk. But for some people, that doesn't work at all. You have to work on the limbs because mm. that's how their core will get nourished. So sometimes a problem of a core, it could be related to collapse and weaknesses of some muscle, of some structure. That's true. But sometimes it can come from a lack of information, for example, or from an information which is too repetitive and always of the same kind. So sometimes you have to differentiate the type of information. Hence, for example, for you, runner, they're running outside, they're running on an even, uh, on an even ground, running uphill, running downhill. So differentiate the way that you run mm. would get your core engaged. Yes. And... Uh, uh, more active, all, almost for everyone. Mm. So the core really needs a lot of information coming from the periphery for the body, from the context, from the environment that you are in. Uh, that certainly improves the way that the core works. When we intend core as this system of communication through body system that make all the various body systems, meaning muscle, fascia, bones, organs, perceptions, working together at the best that they can work within the frame that you have. That's a brilliant way of putting it, actually. Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. way of putting it. Because again, with runners, I, I find that if, we're think, if, if they're thinking about the core as just the TVA or pulling in the belly, yeah. then you actually restrict. And I've yeah. been through this myself is I've really worked on thinking oh, I need to keep the pelvis really stable yeah but and yes you do want to yeah. you don't want the pelvis all over the place yeah. there needs to be one of the terms we use in chi running is alignment and relaxation yeah yeah and the art of efficient movement is having that balance of how how much alignment you need but then where what areas can relax and I've found a lot with runners, particularly if you're if they're learning a technique. Yeah. So they're saying, "Is this how I do it? Does this look right?" Then they're literally just locking, pulling in the belly, tightening the belly, bending their arms, 
yeah. and thinking these are the things to make me move efficiently yeah. but actually it's not it's just it's just creating tension yeah. but that really is an art to to you've got to be able to yeah. feel that you got to be able to feel that but you got to be able to feel that as a client so you have to be able to feel what makes you more connected yes. or what makes you more fluent or more efficient and you have to be able to feel it as the trainer or the body yeah. worker that is working with the person so you have to be able to feel in your body what doesn't work in the other people's body or what does work in the other people's uh, body and then you know start a journey i've got um a, a, an interesting client who has an issue with a hip which has then developed into an issue with a knee and interestingly her family her mum had a hip operation mm. uh, on the same hip yeah hip replacement and interestingly her brother has had yeah a similar thing and it's the pattern we were talking we we're saying it's really strange that yeah. the pattern has gone through yeah the family and that's interesting you talked about those uh, empathy yeah so if you're really concerned or if you're really empathizing with someone who's got an issue with their hip and their yeah. knee could that then translate for you feeling that and creating that it could or? be so there are two things so there are indeed genetic hereditary yeah, yeah, condition yeah. where you know the old family would have knee pro, uh, hip problem and that you know needs to be treated and whatever uh, but there is an element of i do copy how my mom work or mm. how my dad work or mm. how my brother work and we all work in the same way so if let's say if on top of that hereditary genetic things or a hip problem that is there and need to be treated, I also copy the faulty movement pattern, uh, then of course it, it puts another problem on top of the problem that mm. is already existing. So in practical terms, that means if you have a genetic condition for which at some point in your life, unfortunately, you're going to have to go through a hip replacement, then, then what you want to do from our point of view is perhaps to get a hip replacement as late as possible. So how can I improve my pattern of movement so I can keep the hip joint that maybe has a genetic problem or whatever, as healthy as possible for as long as, as, possible. Long as possible. So, you know, I get the, 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 the surgery later, so my prosthesis lasts longer. But also the tissue around where the problem is can be as healthy as possible. So mm. often what happens is that you do replace the hip, which is maybe needed, but then you don't get a chance of the muscle around it to recover properly, for example. So what is your background? So, um, so I'm a doctor. I'm a medical doctor. I work as a pediatrician for about 15 years or so. Um, yeah, I, I just came to Rolfing by accident. I um, had a problem with the shoulder, a pain persistent pain that recurrent and persistent pain that wouldn't go away and uh, I just went to this Rolfing because it was recommended as a body worker by a friend and um, so I had some session and this was in 2011 so quite a bit of time ago so the pain in the shoulder got resolved in no time um, um, but um, what happened is that I totally fell in love with this particular way of working. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, I felt uh, I was treated as a person, as not as a problem to be fixed and that I loved. Uh, um, 
I discovered a lot of things of myself that I could go on working on. So uh, not only, I mean, the, the, the fact that my, that my shoulder problem got fixed, so to speak, was only a little things that I, that only the, the, probably the smallest benefit that I got, I got out of Rolfing. Mm-hmm. What Rolfing really gave me is is a capacity of discover what I really needed uh, body-wise, but also in life. So for me, it, it just started off a huge transformation that ended up in a career change. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm now just roofing full-time, uh, which makes me very happy. Um, yeah, and encountering a lot of people like you who moves and explore and are curious, and that makes my life very rich. So, yeah, so we can met through how did we meet we met through I you recommending it, yeah michael yeah yeah who and i met first yeah and then, and then i called you again yes. to send you some other clients and uh, and then we started exchanging sessions yeah so what i noticed immediately when we started working together is the the synergy between what the, yeah. the, the chi running the way i teach movement and what you're teaching and it was quite nice to have that reinforcement because we can end up in our own little bubbles yeah, going are we absolutely. teaching the right thing you can yeah. do all of the research and stuff but there was so much that you have taught me that have, have added those extra yeah layers or levels to now how i teach yeah chi running so i'm teaching the same principles but yeah. just there's so much extra that I, I feel I can give now because of what, what yeah. I've learned from working with you. For me, it's the same in the sense that sometimes, you know, what I can do with Ruth and in, in the closed space of a practice is great, but then people need to take that out in yeah. what they really do in their life. So mm-hmm. people that run, so they go to the gym or they do whatever, even people that just sit at the computer and are willing to start moving to explore. So... Uh, well, so it was great to meet you. So I, I, I knew I could hand them over to you to continue the work that we started in Rolfing uh, out there in the world with running, moving, going to the gym or doing whatever, breathing. Or, yeah. So from your own personal point of view, what have you got out of the running? What have I got what out you, of the what running? What have you learned then that well, you didn't already know because you know so much about how, no, how the but, body works? But what well, would you again, say you know, were... what, I, what, I, what I knew about the body was in my head and in my practice, it wasn't translated yet. So the things that I've learned, and it's the most important thing for me right now, is that I actually can run. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, my, before meeting you and running with you, my sense was that I would die. <laughs> <laughs> after about five minutes because I couldn't I was running inefficiently uh, you know with all the things about that I know about my about the body still uh, there was some um, uh, layers of other experiences that I couldn't work through mm-hmm. without the help of someone mm-hmm. else that will even just give me the confidence to say well actually you're not gonna die we're just gonna run and mm-hmm. worst that can happen is that you stop um uh, so you helped me re-pattern an habit that was uh, for example pushing through when i start feeling that i can't make it anymore so you helped me st- stop myself be- before i actually collapse <laughs> that was really good um and then there are a number of things that i couldn't notice or i couldn't feel about how i move how i move my legs how i move my back how i move my arms so having someone that look at you is actually really helpful because unless you run in front of a mirror i mean you're not gonna yeah. 
be able to notice and or be able to feel because sometimes our pattern of movement are so strong that mm. they really do not allow us to feel or to even perceive that there is a slightly different way of moving that is yeah. possible. So you do need someone to help you with mm. that. So for me, that was absolutely precious. Um, yeah, to kind of announce again the awareness of what I was doing when I was running and um, yeah, and repattern this really strange habit that I had <laughs> of thinking that I would die after five minutes of running. Yeah. So we, we said at the very beginning, um, Rolfing is very much a bodyworks experience. Yeah. You working with a client, yeah. you manipulating, yeah. or maybe that manipulating is the wrong word. But yeah, no, but that's working, true. Yeah, working we do. physically with yeah. a client. But say if someone cannot find a Rolfing coach or yeah. a Rolfing therapist, what would be the one thing that you would say to someone? How you could almost get some discover something about yourself or about your body that you can yeah. do quite um, simply maybe well, simply is the wrong word <laughs> no it is it is surprisingly simple it, it doesn't mean it's easy because yes. it's simple yes. so um what i would encourage people to do or to research is any possible way of moving mindfully uh beach cheer running going to the gym, Pilates, yoga, whatever, as long as it's done having at its root uh, a will to understand and feel how your body moves. So you can you can do what we do in Rolfing potentially in a million of different ways and with using a million of different techniques, as long as at the base of it there is what you call body sensing, uh, what can be called awareness of, uh, yeah, a willingness to uh, really stay in your body and feel what is going on in the present moment. Uh, often we do require the need of someone that sits beside us and help us, because uh, as I said, those part, habitual parts of movement are really strong, and sometimes we just cannot go past that. Mm. Uh, just by ourselves. So we need someone that sit behind yourself. It can be a friend, uh, mm. but you know, if you can get hold of someone skillful that does that for a job, that's even better. Videoing is quite an interesting thing because I, I'm in two minds when I'm doing the workshop. Yeah. On a one-day workshop, I will video people. Yeah. If, obviously, on a half-day, there's not an awful lot of time, yeah. so I won't video. And I'm, I'm in two minds about the video because I think it's great for people to yeah. see themselves on video. Yeah. But then I don't want people to be looking at themselves and going, oh, that looks terrible yeah. or I'm doing this. And I, I find also with video is sometimes you're only looking at a snapshot and you're yeah. looking in two dimensions of how yeah. someone moves in three dimensions. But would you suggest if you had a friend just video you move so you could pick yeah, out you anything could. obvious as long or... as you don't, that would be good, as long as you don't focus just on the shape, that is yes. the risk. So ah, right. if you think about, uh, oh, look what, well, you know, I, don't know, I move my legs very weird. That happened to me when you showed the video of me around here. <laughs> and I likewise, thought, Yeah, I thought, so, oh my God, <laughs> what am I doing with those legs? So you have to always link that with what you feel, feel. rather than, I have to make my shape better. Uh, is The video has to be an opportunity to say, okay, I didn't realize how much I lean back or yeah. how much I 
pick up my knees or whatever, but how does that feel when I mm. when I when I run? And if I change the shape, how does that feel? Mm. So that is the thing. It's linking a change in shape in movement to how you feel. Because yeah. at the end, what you want to obtain is that your body to feel the best that it can feel, to run without effort, to not be injured. So you have to relate it mm. to a feel. So just changing mm. a shape because mm. it looks better. Yeah won't do the trick. mean to say yeah. it feels better. So video is great. In roving practice, we would always have a mirror, a big mirror, for example, because sometimes it's helpful for people to see that, like uh, an example, for example, is people for scoliosis. So when you, if you put the spine straight, they, they, they will feel squint because their straight yeah. is the bend that they have in their spine. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to, to make them feel that actually... Uh, they feel weird, but they're straight. But so right. they can negotiate the shape with the feeling and make so sense of it. Of so it's, it's a combination. Yeah. But ultimately, you have to you have to experience the you have to be aware. Yeah, you have to be. You aware. have to be able to feel it before yeah. you can't just push yourself into a position. No, you can't. That won't last. Feel it. Assuming. And again, the same with with runners. They you see a particular, you see the knee coming up. You see yeah. this, so people copy that yeah. technique, yeah. but then it doesn't necessarily feel right to them. Yeah. So that's that. I yeah. think that's quite a, an interesting. Yeah. Point. Same thing with the effort. I think it was really interesting when we were working on uh, with the heart rate monitor. Oh yes. Uh, which was really interesting for me because it allowed me to make sense of what I was feeling. So and I could understand then when uh, the certain number of heart rate corresponded to a certain feeling, and there is the moment, for example, where I need to stop and take mm. a break and walk. Mm. So that means that once I've understand that, I can drop the heart rate monitor and just go by. It's yeah. like some sort of biofeedback, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So that was really helpful. Um, to yeah, to get also people in to make sense of what they feel. Like for me, that feeling was always quite coupled with panic. And what would happen uh, is that I start a push against it instead of stopping oh, and yeah. make the situation Relax, even worse. Yes. So that helped me understand that actually that is just a sign that my metabolism is not ready to continue to work aerobically, and I have to stop, take a break, and then restart. And that just repattern an old experience. That's a good point, actually, because yeah. again, with clients, is you go, you you bring in that you're saying work at this easy aerobic pace, and yeah. a lot of people, a few clients have said to me, I, "I'm really getting disheartened because yeah. I have to walk," yeah. and it is getting them aware that that is because you're doing, you're almost doing too much yeah. when you are running. So it's not that you're having to slow down; it's that what you're aiming to do is to become more efficient, yeah. so you can run. Yeah with a lower within that yeah, heart rate zone yeah. because you should in theory be able to comfortably yeah. run at that and that that is like that you explained that yeah. really nice way of bringing that back into yeah. to body sensing yeah. and getting the feedback from that yeah. so that's a nice point to put to clients because if clients don't understand that yeah it's just like i'll get disheartened because yeah. every time i go over the heart it's rate perceived as to, a failure yeah yeah rather than and that's not helped way by, to titrate uh, that's not helped by modern western no of course <laughs> philosophy of push 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 no. speed 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 yeah. speed brilliant anna thank you very much thank for that. you i think we've got loads of information fantastic and, uh, great thank you for your time thank you my thanks to anna there for that amazing insight into rolfing if you want to find out more information on anna check out the rolfinguk.co.uk website. And if you want to get in touch, 
touch with me, uh, find me on adventuresinmovement.com or drop me an email at gray at adventuresinmovement.com. Thanks very much for listening, for your time and attention, and I will see you soon.